Welcome to Bougie Boo, a podcast hosted by a brother and sister from another mister. I'm Cam. I'm David. Thank you for listening as we talk about Black culture, Asian culture, pop culture, culture culture, and quite frankly, anything else we want to talk about. So how are you today, Boo? I'm doing well. You know, for those of you who've been listening with us, you know that Cam and I work in the education sector. And, you know, it's May, so it's that time of the year where things are winding down for the school year. And we recently had a party for our students to thank them for all their work this past year and to acknowledge uh, them and their graduations, our graduates who are graduating. Yay! Congratulations, graduates. So, you know, <laughs> you know, from you know me, I don't like to just throw a basic party. So well, of, I had, course I had, <laughs> of course not. Of course not, Boone. I know. It's like, you know, we booze don't do it that way. But I had to come up with a theme. And so I decided to do a squid game theme. Okay. And of course, my my supervisor was like, we're not going to actually kill any students, are we? Oh, oh gosh, no. I, know, I, 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 think like, risk, I think risk management would not approve that. Yeah, they might have some issues with that. <laughs> I think the university as a whole might have some issues. <laughs> but, you know, and I, you know, just custodial staff coming in and cleaning up bodies I don't know <laughs> yeah that is not in my CBA thank you <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know I adapted some of the games from the show to have games during the party and so or we like to call it a celebration and so like for example the the honeycomb game from squid game mm-hmm. uh, instead of making individual honeycombs which would be very time consuming I made sugar cookies with shapes in them okay that's creative and so then i had to they had to cut the shapes out and you know the people who got the easy shape it was a heart and so they got that done pretty quickly and so some of them got a coyote paw and they were instructed if they got the paw they had to cut the little toe beans out first and then (laughs) cut the whole paw out wait what were they cutting the cookies with though uh little pins <laughs> like like you sew with like yes like push pins or show a uh, sewing pins uh, <laughs> and so you saw them just feverishly trying to cut it because we're like you have seven minutes and one of the things I did was I played them a voice but in the in the show there's a nice woman telling them oh you know you needed these are the rules but for mine I put my voice through a voice modulator and made it sound like jigsaw from saw Okay, okay, is this a celebration <laughs> or a torture chamber? Maybe a little bit of both. It, I mean, the party was on Friday the 13th. Well, quite fitting. It went yeah. well with the thing. <laughs> well, and then, you know, some might wonder, so what happens if they didn't make it through the challenge or they broke the cookie? I'll tell you what had happened. Obviously, since we couldn't shoot them. <laughs> uh, some of my colleagues and I, their supervisors, we're walking around with uh, a pad of post-its. So if we saw someone mess up, we tagged them with the post-it, like, bam, you did. <laughs> Player number one canceled. <laughs> yes, basically. So it was enjoyable for everybody involved. And um, one of our colleagues, uh, our writing center director, Nathan, he wanted to join the challenge and cut the cookies out. And he actually was doing really well, but we just shot him because we wanted to. <laughs> well, for our listeners out there, we do not condone violence or shooting people. You know, this is all just light fun <laughs> yes so i mean the, the students really enjoyed it. they got the gist of what we were trying to do and then i only did one other challenge which was 
the uh, my version of the tug of war. Obviously, we couldn't do tug of war in the room that we were in. So what I did was a cup stacking game where they had to use string and rubber bands to uh, pile the cups into a pyramid shape without touching them with their hands. So and we broke them up into teams. Wait, are they using like their <laughs> elbows to put the cups? In no, the no, team? they had to be ingenious. And so for those of you who want to play this game, basically they took their one rubber band and they, they would be like teams of uh, four and each member would have a two foot piece of string. And mm-hmm. if they if they thought about it, they would use the string to tie around the rubber band, all four of them. So they would have four people pulling and a, a, a contracting and expanding that rubber band so they can use it to pick up the cups. This sounds like a stressful party. No, they really they really <laughs> enjoy them. And because, you know, our students are all um, student leaders and tutors and educators on our campus, mm-hmm. they love those kind of puzzles and challenges. So, you know, honestly, though, I forgot the rubber bands. Oh. And but they were so ingenious, they still made it happen with just string. And, and we were watching them like, how in the world? <laughs> so this is why we hire geniuses. Student so. geniuses. Well, I'm happy to hear that they had a good time at your torture chamber party. <laughs> well, what what I forgot to add was because like I said, this is like the tug of war game in the show. Uh, we had two teams pitted against each other. So the losing team is the one that symbolically fell. <laughs> fell to their death. But, but we don't condone that, of course. <laughs> it was a, oh, a good concept because you. you don't hear about end of the year celebrations or any celebration having that theme behind it. Yeah, well, and then the, the meat and bones of the mm-hmm. celebration really it was to acknowledge our students and their mm-hmm. hard work. Mm-hmm. And then our graduates... Uh, so we gave them honor cords so that they can wear them to proudly symbolize that they worked for our centers and they helped their fellow students. Oh, that's great. And speaking of graduates and speaking of congratulating students who have worked so hard, I do want to give a special shout out to my baby sister. Um, some may know her as Tosh, but her government name, <laughs> Natasha Marie Fowler. She is graduating this weekend, and by the time this comes out, she has probably already been graduated, but she's graduating with her Master's of Public Administration, and I just want to congratulate her and let her know that I'm so proud of her, and I cannot believe I used to walk her home from middle school, and (laughs) and now she's a whole grown woman with a Master's degree. So, and then we often tease her, right? We're like, somebody in the family needs to go ahead and get that PhD. And why not it be her, right? She's the baby. She has the most energy. I know my (laughs) parents will give her anything she asks for. So it's like, girl, just get your doctorate and represent the family well. (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations, Tosh. She's a lovely woman. I know her as well. And yeah, I'm uh, very happy to hear her doing well and graduating with her master's and I do hope she goes for that PhD. She needs to, right? So we can call her Dr. Fowler. Yeah, but hopefully her head don't get big and she's like, oh, that's Dr. Fowler to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, Tosh, be quiet. (laughs) But yes. Remind her that you're the one who walked her to school. (laughs) Drove her to school, (laughs) walked her to school, boom. But yes, and congratulations to all of the graduates this season. And I also want to give a shout out and a special thanks to a podcast that I listen to. It's Getting Grown podcast um, hosted by Chef Jade and Dr. Kia. They actually shouted out Tosh too. 
for one of their episodes. So that really touched my heart and Tosh really enjoyed it as well. I just, you know, want to encourage her and know that, want her to know, excuse me, that I'm super proud of her. So any chance I get, I'm like, woo, my sister's graduating. (laughs) I'm like that annoying auntie. (laughs) As long as you don't become the crazy auntie. I think I'm already there though. Uh Uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh. It's all good though. It's all good. So, well, aside from, you know, planning torture chamber parties, what else have you been up to, boo? (laughs) Well, you know, I've been watching some TV Mm -hmm. and uh, I just finished watching Moon Knight from Marvel and Disney Plus. And it was a great show, in my opinion. I completely loved it. And the thing that's amazing to me, I've said this before, but as a comic book lover all my life, you never would think certain characters can come to life on screen. And Moon Knight is one of those characters. Mm -hmm. And to see him represented in the way he was from the comic books, from page to screen on a small screen right now, uh, I was in awe about how they were able to pull that off. And for those of you who don't know, this is a summary from Marvel. Uh, Moon Knight follows Stephen Grant, a mild-mannered gift shop employee who becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. Stephen discovers he has disassociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. Sounds like a lot of drama and chaos. (laughs) I mean, there is. There is a lot of drama. You know, we're trying to follow the life of this one person sharing a body with multiple people inside that body. You know kind of sounds like when ladies hormones go crazy during the time of the month <laughs> I think that would be a good analogy <laughs> you know I think I think the show that's gonna capture that analogy that's coming up from Marvel is She-Hulk <laughs> it's coming it's coming but you know just so p- for our listeners who aren't as familiar with disassociative identity disorder Uh, That was what previously people called multiple personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So it's a disorder characterized by the presence of two or more distinct personality traits. And usually it's because it's a reaction to trauma and it's a way for that person to avoid bad memories. So they create these other characters or people within them to uh, filter that trauma. Mm. So, uh, and we do get a backstory as to how this happened to the character in Moon Knight. Uh, as well as the fact that there's other layers upon this show, which is uh, Mark Spector, the mercenary, made a deal when he was at death's door and uh, with an Egyptian god of the moon, Khonshu. I thought you said death's door, but you said death's door. I was death's like, death's door. I'm like, why is he at death's door? Well, you know, because he's buying supplies for this squid game party. <laughs> dark <laughs> but uh you know so yeah he was at the brink of death and uh Khonshu made a deal with him to bring him back as his long as mark served as his avatar and that avatar's form is what we see as the hero moon knight mm-hmm. okay and so so mark becomes moon knight because of this egyptian god so he has ties to egyptian culture uh and then you know there's a little bit of controversy because oscar isaac who plays the character of mark specter slash stephen grant um, the character of Mark Spector in the comic books is famously Jewish and mm-hmm. I, Oscar Isaac is not. So people had initially were upset that he was cast, mm. but honestly, he did a brilliant job of the character because he's playing multiple people and there's other person, there's another personality other than the two that we hear about. Mm-hmm. And when he plays these personalities, 
it's you're looking at the same actor, but you actually believe that he's a whole different person. Wow. So yeah. method act, acting at its finest, I would yeah. say. He's quite talented because like in one scene, he switches from one person to another and you can see the switch and, or you can just tell because he just made an eye movement and you're like, oh, he's, an, he's another character now. Mm. You know? so it's amazing. Wow. That's, that's, that is amazing. Amazing, excuse me, a lot of talent. But I do know that um, this, this miniseries also has, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing the name, Loic Mambanza. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Loic, if I'm mispronouncing your name. But um, I see here that you're a French dancer, choreographer, actor, filmmaker, and model. And ladies, he is, ladies and gentlemen, he is handsome. <laughs> but I'm getting major skin envy from him. He has flawless skin. I love it. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but he's performed with music artists such as Chris Brown, Usher, Mariah Carey, Kendrick Lamar, and Jennifer Hudson. And he was in Jay-Z's music video with Lupita Nyong'o, a mini mm -hmm. face god. So I feel like I've probably seen Loic before and just hadn't paid attention to him. But now that he's in Moon Knight, I'm like, oh, that's that dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, he plays like the bodyguard or head of security for uh, a rich character in the show mm -hmm. and uh and, and I, I would be remiss if i didn't mention the his boss who he was uh guarding is gaspar Dulil, the french actor who died recently in a skiing accident mm, and so peace. yeah so moon knight was i think the last thing he shot before he passed away uh and they do give him a credit at the end of the um show to or the episode to identify that he had passed away well, and I also want to say thank you to the writers of Moon Knight for making a Black character the head of something <laughs> and not making us the help appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting about going back to Oscar Isaac is like I was talking about his character switches. You can tell other things, too, because he purposely for Mark Spector used an American Chicago accent. Right. And then for Stephen Grant, he used an English accent. And you'll see why in the show, but it's, but people were criticizing his English accent, but he intentionally did it kind of bizarre and unconvincing because if you remember, I mean, if you look back at him as a child, he was an American child mm -hmm. who watched like this British television explorer show. Uh -huh. And so as an American imitating a British person, he's not going to have a perfect accent. So yeah. that his disassociative character or identity um, created that accent because of the show he watched wow so and then uh another character of his he was able to bring in his own roots of as being uh, a spanish speaker and he's his other identity speaks spanish so can you imagine like you're saying your lines and then you have to know when you have to switch to a new accent and then switch back and switch again that's a lot of mental well, energy and not just the accent it's just all the facial movements because he gives them each different kind of ticks and different uh ways that they view the world through his, you know their eyes so you can tell when he does that he's a different person wow yeah um and then to him. yeah very much so everyone everyone you know who's seen the show they demand that he gets uh, nominated for awards this next coming season. Mm -hmm. And he really should. If, it, if people legitimately watch his performance in that, he does deserve at least a nomination. But I don't know, because he's in a Marvel Disney Plus series, he might not, get, it might not have a lot of weight with people because it's a superhero thing. 
I hope that isn't the case. And I feel like I've been hearing Moon Knight a lot, not not purposely looking for it, but just kind of like seeing it on websites and TV, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I hope he gets what he's owed, but you well, know, sometimes that does not always happen. <laughs> it, it is possible though, because Elizabeth Olsen got nominated for WandaVision. Oh. So yeah, last season. So it is possible. Yeah. Uh, but again, there's just a couple more characters to talk about. The character of Leila Al-Fauli, who plays his wife, um, May Kalamaway. Kalamui? I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, May. But, um, <laughs> but, but May, if we if you want us to, you know, pronounce your name correctly, contact us. <laughs> we can. We could do that. <laughs> but, you know, she plays a strong female lead and she's Egyptian. And the amazing part in that show, which gave me goosebumps is, you know, at some point, I, spoiler alert people. So if you want to, you know, haven't seen it yet, you might want to skip this part. Give you a moment. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but she transforms into a hero herself. And then there, there's a moment where she saves a group of people in a van and a young girl sees her and, she, and the young girl says, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she says, yes. So it's this moment of representation for another um culture and ethnicity that isn't represented very much and yeah. so it's it was just kind of like wow that's amazing you know yeah um and then f murray abraham the great actor he plays the voice of Khonshu, the egyptian god and his voice is so appropriate i love the sound of his booming distinctive voice it's kind of like like james earl jones vibes. exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> it's kind of like james earl jones with darth vader you know you hear this voice on Khonshu, and it's just uh, just gives you goosebumps so i really liked it and then um ethan hawk you know Mm -hmm. the great actor Ethan Hawke he plays Arthur Harrow the villain in the show and he's like a religious zealot and cult leader and he's serving the god Egyptian goddess uh, Amit and the problem with his character and with serving Amit is Amit wants to exact justice and judgment based on future crimes so not because you have done it but because mm. you will do it so is he kind of like does he have prophetic powers because he knows that you're gonna do wrong in the future yes he kind of does like he has a this walking stick slash cane and then it can uh, it can pass judgment if you have you grasp onto it mm. and so if you're not worthy it's gonna suck your soul out oh my gosh <laughs> that went from zero to 60 uh, and, uh, and today's dark, dark episode <laughs> but you know and the thing you know for very opening scene you know he's crazy because you see him uh drink some kind of alcohol i believe and then he smashes the glass in a and he puts it in a towel and smashes the cup and, and gets glass shards and then he puts the shards in his sandals and then he puts the sandals on and he walks okay. with the, <laughs> the glass in the sandals <laughs> so you know it's like some kind of penance or serving that he's serving his uh god goddess that way um and and punishing himself for things that he he believes he's done that's his way of showing his woman he loves her by showing her he's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's funny because you know sometimes i watch reactors react to the show and marvel will sneak in whenever he's on screen you can hear him stepping on the glass within his sandals and everyone's like, like <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> oh wow okay but yeah, so it just gave you an insight as to how crazy he is. And actually, Ethan Hawke said he was inspired by David Koresh, Fidel Castro, the Dalai Lama, because he does play really calm and stuff. Uh, Pentecostal televangelist Jimmy Swaggart, 
the author Leo Tolstoy and the fictional character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Nurse Ratched. Mm -hmm. So he, he combined all those people for this character. Jesus. Again, chaos. <laughs> and then one last character to talk about because she stole the show for a lot of people was uh, the actress is Antonia Salih, but we never see her because she plays uh, a CGI character. It's Tauret, the hippopotamus-headed Egyptian goddess of childbirth and fertility. And <laughs> Wait, so she is, she's a goddess that looks like a hippo. Yes. Like a hippo head. Yes. Okay, I get it. You <laughs> but know? she comes straight out of Egyptian culture. So, uh, and, uh, so she also guides souls through the Duat, which is the realm of the dead. And so um, Moon Knight finds himself there. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we, we meet her. And it's at the episode, end of episode four, I think, or something like that, where she pops up and that's the first glimpse that we get her and then the, of her and then the episode ends. And you're like, no, I want to know more about this hippo lady. <laughs> <laughs> but she ended up being a fun character and I think uh, stole the hearts of a lot of people of the Marvel universe. Okay, interesting. So man that's walking on glass, the hippo lady, uh -huh. um, a guy with multiple 50 million personality. Yes. <laughs> so check it out. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would have to watch that in small doses. There was six episodes and they were showing them each week. And uh -huh. you know, I, I'm actually like that because that's the way I grew up watching television. I don't need to binge something all at once. Mm -hmm. But if you if you sit back and wait and you binge it, it is it's probably gonna be a really quick watch because each episode flies by. Yeah. Well, no, it does sound interesting. So well, thank you for your synopsis of that. You're welcome. <laughs> so I have been binging, but not TV. <laughs> I've been binging reggae music. And I started listening to reggae music a lot this week because I was missing Jamaica. Uh -huh. so I've been blessed to have visited Jamaica twice so far. And I love the country. I love the vibe of the country the most. And you probably know why. <laughs> <laughs> so everything in Jamaica is Irie. And for our listeners out there, if you are unfamiliar with the term Irie, it just means nice, good, or pleasing. So when you're in Jamaica and you say, you know, ask somebody how they're doing, they'll be like, Ira, man, Ira. <laughs> well, Shout that's where Chet Hanks. That's where Cam goes. Oh, yeah, Chet Hanks was saying that. <laughs> but Chet Hanks is not Jamaican. <laughs> but no, no, he's definitely not Jamaican. But, you know, Jamaica's where Cam goes to get her group back. Because <laughs> my auntie Stella did it first. <laughs> But yeah, so Irie is a term used by Rastafarians and uh, our list, for our listeners out there, if you are unfamiliar with the term Rastafarian, it's relating to a religious movement of Jamaican origin, holding that Black people are the chosen people, that Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia was the Messiah, and that Black people will eventually return to their Africa. So, um, you know, you might see a couple of Rastafarians here in the States. Usually, you know, they have dreadlocks and they have their beanie hats. You know, they may be partaking in the ganja. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fun fact, my mom, she actually lived in Jamaica for one year. So I've always felt a closeness to the culture. So I'm not Jamaican, but I do enjoy their culture. I enjoy their food. I enjoy their music. But as I was listening to Jamaican or reggae music, excuse me, this week, a song by Peter Tosh came on. And so Peter Tosh is a reggae legend. And I've heard much of his music, 
but this particular song I've never heard before. So shout out to Spotify for putting this <laughs> on the playlist. The name of the song is Brand New Second Hand. And it's kind of like, you know, when you have music playing in the background and you're listening, but not really listening. Mm -hmm. So here I am, you know, doing whatever. And the song comes on, has a nice little vibe to it. And I'm like, okay, this is something new. And I started listening to the lyrics and I found myself saying, dang, dang, again, like, dang, I couldn't believe what the song was saying, right? Because usually reggae music has such a positive vibe to it. It has a message too, but very rarely have I kind of felt for the person that was being talked about in the song. So let me let me share some of the lyrics with our listeners. Well, but I, before you start, and you were telling me about this song, I said I have to go listen to it myself too. And I I, I was doing what you were saying. I was just kind of listening to it in the background, mm -hmm. and then some lyrics caught me off guard. And I was like, wait, I need to look up these lyrics. And I was like, oh, he is he's being savage in this thing. <laughs> so yeah, please share. Well, listen, um, I know Megan The Stallion has her song. I'm a savage. Yeah. Well. I think Peter Tosh was like the original savage. I don't know who he had an issue with, but he obviously had an issue with some woman. <laughs> I'm not going to go over the whole song again. I encourage our listeners to look it up for themselves. The name of the song, brand new, secondhand. Uh, one section of the song in particular, you're just a brand new secondhand gal. So basically here, he's telling her you're used up. <laughs> No man, no want you. So nobody wants you. You're used up. Uh -huh. Brand new secondhand gal. You better go back around. So you're just a brand new secondhand gal. So leave me alone. Go back to where you came from. You used up woman, <laughs> basically. And then he goes on to say, you're just a brand new secondhand gal. You think it's the dress you wear that make you a lady. Ooh. That was, that really, I was like, dang, Peter. <laughs> and then he says, get that out your mind, gal. You must be crazy. <laughs> so not only is he telling her you're used up. So basically it sounds like she's probably had a lot of sexual partners, but now he's calling her stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he had me from the jump, like uh, the, not, not like the very first verses he said, but like the next set of verses right at the top of the song. Because he said, I heard him say, you're only a show off, your painted face, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then he said, but underneath that face, you're just a disgrace. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, don't worry about putting on makeup because I know you're real ugly underneath all that. <laughs> so... Once I heard the song once, I had to play it over and then I had to read along with it because I'm like, I cannot believe I never heard this song, one. And two, usually Peter Tosh's songs have a good vibe to them. Uh -huh. This to me is like the ultimate diss track. And we've heard diss tracks, but this one, I'm like, that would really hurt somebody. Oh yeah, he was in his feels when he wrote this thing. So, <laughs> well, and then I, When I was done listening, I was like, Peter, who hurts you? <laughs> So many of our listeners out there, if you're familiar with this song and you know the origin of the song, let me know. I want to know because yeah. it sounds like this is from experience, a hurtful experience. And he's just letting the brand new secondhand gal know that she ain't it. 
man. What, what about you? Have you been binging any music? Well, yeah, because it's uh, music contest season. I talked about it recently mm -hmm. that it's uh, Eurovision song contest season. Yes. And as of this recording, it has completed. And it basically went the way I predicted in our previous episode. And the winner was the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And not to say that it wasn't a worthy song, because actually I enjoyed the song quite a bit. And it's actually, I think, one of the first songs or maybe the first song with uh, a bit of rap in it. Okay. And... Um, you know, the song is good, but I think in any other normal year, if they didn't have the situation going in their country, mm -hmm. they would not have won. The way the voting is uh, split up is there. there's 50% comes from a professional jury of uh, music people, producers and, you know, industry people. Was so Randy Jackson on there? He's not because he's American. <laughs> I just... Randy Jackson, he's like on every, not every music show, but he's like involved in so much. He is, yeah. Yeah, when it comes to those types of shows. But then the other 50% come from the European public and they vote. And so those points are tallied up for the winner. And so, you know, going into, they reveal the judges' scores, the jury score first, and the United Kingdom actually was in first place. And which was also a big, big deal because for the last, decade or so the united kingdom has pretty much been in last place every year mm, okay and because uh they've become the ridicule of eurovision where people get the europeans don't like them in the sense that they feel like the uk doesn't take the contest seriously and doesn't send like legitimate competitors so this year they actually did send a legitimate competitor and his name is sam Ryder, and it showed because like i said he had led the jury vote but he ended up being second place overall. So the European public actually voted for him this year. And I think without the Ukraine situation, he would have won. So the UK would have had their first victory in ages. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm still content with what happened, what went down. But I think Ukraine winning, I don't know. Like I said, now that they won, they're going to have to host next year. I don't know what mm -hmm. that's going to look like for them. Maybe another country will have to help them host. Mm -hmm. um, but just to finish out the rest, well, just to talk about the points too like the from the public they got an astronomical 439 votes which put them into the lead with a 631 point total the second place uk got four 466 as their total so it shows you how big that was so europe voted with their hearts um and which is nice well and for then, the country that wins there's like a monetary prize come along with you know your duties to host the show for the following year no actually it's, it's just pride for your country and the thing is sometimes countries don't want to win because they don't want to host it it costs money <laughs> but at the same time it does bring a lot of tourism into your country that following year um, but just to finish off at least the top five uh, third place was Spain with uh, Chanel with Somo and I actually love that song that was my number one choice mm -hmm. um fourth place was sweden cornelia jacobs with hold me closer and fifth place uh, serbia uh with uh constructa with uh their song incorpore sano and everyone who kind of who follows eurovision knows that as either the clapping song or the washing the hands song because her staging is interesting she sits on stage and washes her hands <laughs> <laughs> she's protecting herself against that's COVID. what everybody was like like if anyone's protecting against the covid it's her so. wait now it's monkeypox she don't want monkeypox or covid <laughs> but no it was a really fun song contest i enjoyed it this year um and you know i'm happy for ukraine they could use that pick me up too for sure 
Well, it's interesting. Okay, so um, countries who win the show for the following year attracts a lot of tourism, but I just can't see a lot of tourists being able to visit Ukraine next year. I don't think. Well, no, that's that's possibly the drawback. logistically, you know, the infrastructure probably would not be there. So hopefully exactly. they would allow Ukraine to postpone possibly. No, they can't postpone it per se. Uh, I think what might happen is another country might help them host it. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Australia, like I talked about, is in the Eurovision Song Contest. And you're like, why is Australia? They're not European. But they're there and they're part of the European Broadcasting Network. So, but if they win, the contest will never be held in Australia because the time difference is too big and mm-hmm. ratings would plank because people are not going to wake up at 8 a.m. to watch the show. <laughs> so another country would host it for them, maybe like Switzerland or somebody. Mm-hmm. And Australia would just kind of pay for that. I see. Okay. Um, well, so congratulations, then, Ukraine. Uh, the other song contest that wrapped up the, just the week before uh, Eurovision was the American Song Contest. And this one, I, you know, because I could vote, I voted and I voted like crazy. And then I say like crazy only because it's not like American Idol where you can, in the past, where you could vote as many times as you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You could only vote in three methods, which is on their website, on their app, and on TikTok. And I don't even use TikTok, but I went on TikTok just to vote for the winner. Oh, see? That's dedication. <laughs> it is. So the winner was Oklahoma, and they were represented by Alexa, who's a K-pop artist, and with her song Wonderland. And she ended up blowing past the field with 710 points total. Like the, the American public voted for her like crazy. She got a huge amount. And so second place was uh, Riker Lynch from Colorado, uh, Feel the Love, which is actually a really great song, which I like that song a lot, but the juries hated it because it was like in last place with their votes. Mm-hmm. But the, the public pushed it to second place overall. And well, thank then, you, public. Yeah, thank you for... <laughs> picking a fun party song and then third place was kentucky jordan smith who won the voice uh his song sparrow and then fourth was texas grant kenoki uh with mr independent and grant actually was a kids bop kid back in the day <laughs> kids bop like what version two <laughs> well and you know he, he went on the kids bop tour and everything oh, so. okay. <laughs> i just have one question yes. about the american song contest did our girl kelly clarkson have on a big ballroom gown for the season finale. You know, I'm trying to remember what she wore, but all her dresses were the same all season long, pretty much. Oh, okay. So she still needed your help. <laughs> I was waiting for the call. I was waiting. <laughs> and just to finish out the placements, fifth place uh, was Alan Stone from Washington with a bit of both. And then uh, I, I only did top five in Eurovision, but I needed to acknowledge our sixth place winner in American Song Contest which was an Islander, American Samoa, Tanel with full circles. So I was really excited about that. Uh, and again, the jury did, the professional jury didn't like her, but the American public said, we like her. So she got a ton of points from the public. Well, good. Yeah. I'm happy to hear it. But there's a little bit of controversy with the after effects of the American Song Contest because, dun, dun, dun. you know, Kelly and Snoop were <laughs> talking about the prizes and the a couple of the prizes were, being played on iHeart radio stations all summer long, which mm-hmm. I don't know if they've held up to that because I don't really listen to it that heard often. It. Yeah. Um, but the other prize was the following week was the Billboard Music Awards and Alexa was going to perform at the Billboard Music Awards. Hosted but, by Diddy. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched the Billboard Music Awards waiting to see Alexa and she never performs. Instead, they gave her uh, 
a segment to introduce the upcoming acts before the commercial break. Mm, right so, when it was going off. So really people aren't paying that much attention. Exactly. What? So yeah, was, people were really upset about that because they were like me tuning in to watch her performance and they just relegated her to this like coming up is so-and-so. You know? That's not even right. But I feel like that happens all the time though. Yeah. I, I was I felt bad for her because I'm sure she was super excited and then they told her, oh, guess what? You're not performing. Oh no. <laughs> well, at least she won and she got that exposure. Hopefully she can capitalize off of winning the title for American Song Contest and do other projects. Yeah, I hope so. If not even in the States, in Korea, because she's not super popular in Korea. They know her. Uh, and I think she's more popular with um, international K-pop fans than she is actually in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But now that she's won the American Song Contest, Korean news outlets are like, oh, this Korean person won American Song Contest. Uh, but you so, know, she's Korean-American. But Still hyping her up, though. <laughs> they she are. has Korean roots. So just like how any culture or, or um, nationality gets excited when somebody represents them well globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, well, when I listen to music, I often like to cook. That's just my thing, right? Having nice music play in the background. And I'm in the kitchen chopping and kind of relaxing. It relaxes me. It's like how I wind down. I can my, see that. Yeah, um, and Cam, Cam, Cam like will post on her Instagram stories her some of the things her, that she's cooked along the way as she's cooking and they turn out bomb looking for sure. <laughs> well, okay, going off on a little tangent, uh, my friend Drew, he responds to my stories often. And the other day he's like, I don't think I've ever tasted your cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, I rarely invite people over my home, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a nice way of saying maybe one day you'll be able to taste my cooking but it's not going to be anytime soon but I will just let you know that I think my cooking tastes good <laughs> well you know what's funny I was cracking up at one of your stories the other uh, day I think it was this past week you had at the end of it you had the one dish that you made but it was like 15 components <laughs> just to make the one dish and I was like that's too much work <laughs> but you know what that was a one pot recipe though it was just steps, right? And uh-huh. actually the song that I put in the background, step by step. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I didn't mess up a lot of dishes, but it was a lot of steps. But again, because this is my choice of like, they're a thing to like relax me. It's therapeutic. So I can sit there and chop. I can sit there and smell different uh, smells and taste things. And I like consistency of things. And so- that's what I do to, to relax me. So whenever I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm going to cook me a nice dish, play me some nice music. And I can just feel my blood pressure just kind of dropping. See, all that <laughs> sounds wonderful until you have the cleanup part. <laughs> Thank God for a dishwasher. <laughs> and I'm one of those cooks too. You, you clean as you go, it, you know? That, so yeah, it makes it much easier. Constantly wiping counters, constantly, um, if I can clean something while something is cooking, I'm that person. Well, Amberell would appreciate you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Except my hair don't be looking crazy like that. <laughs> it's a choice. <laughs> That's her style. That's her style. But yes, um, one thing that I've been making lately, and it's become my new favorite thing to make, and it's my first time actually making them, and they came out pretty good. My boo knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Air fryer crab rangoons. 
They really look good. I, I mean, I could taste them through the screen. I, have to, I don't even try them, but they look good. Super easy to make. And the recipe that I use, I kind of came up with myself. Um, it's very forgiving, meaning things can be added or taken away as you see fit. Uh, what I use for my Rangoons, so obviously you need wonton wrappers, any brand, uh, cream cheese, any brand, imitation crab meat, green onions, and I use a dash of garlic salt for mine. Um, for the crab meat though, what I did was took a box cheese grater and I just grated the imitation crab meat. And again, think, doing things like this is therapeutic because imagine grating imitation crab meat, music's playing in the background. You're listening to Peter Tosh talk about that, that secondhand that gal. Second, yeah. <laughs> And then, Just don't get lost in the music and start grating your hand, though. Oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want human flesh in these wontons. <laughs> That's another squid game. <laughs> Assembling them is super easy because all you're going to do is you're going to get a wonton wrapper, right? Mm -hmm. A teaspoon of filling, not even a teaspoon, like half if you want, depending on how stuffed or how thick <laughs> Double C's, you want your wontons to be. Uh, for me, I was using like a half a teaspoon. Putting it right in the middle of the wonton wrapper. It's very important that you take a, some water, you have a cup of water, you dip your fingertip in the water, and then you moisten the four corners of the wonton wrapper. This is what's going to hold your wonton wrapper together when you close each corner. So the opposite corners, you just pinch them. And then you pitch the other opposite corner. And you have this cute little pocket of goodness. Yeah, a purse of goodies. <laughs> and then what I personally did to mine, which worked perfectly, took a little bit of vegetable oil, not a lot, poured a little bit in a bowl, and I have a silicone brush. I took the brush and I brushed each wonton with vegetable oil. Doing this is going to make sure that your wonton gets that pretty golden color in the air fryer. And then once they're all brushed and all oiled up, because, you know, we can't be ashy. <laughs> <laughs> Not even our wontons. <laughs> no. But in the air fryer for 350 and the time is subjective, right? You might like yours a little more golden than other people. For me, I left them in maybe about five to seven minutes because the wonton paper, it's a very thin piece of dough, right? So you have to be careful to not overcook that. When I take when I took these babies out of the air fryer, let me tell you, <laughs> I was so proud of myself and they were so good. Easy to make about, I would say from start to finish, the whole process, 15 minutes, if that, 15 to 20, I would say. So yeah, I don't even think I'm ever going to buy wontons again. I'm just going to make them at home. Nice quick meal idea or yeah. snack idea. Side but, item so, for me. <laughs> the other thing is like, how many of these things did you eat? Because, <laughs> you know, cream cheese kind of fatty. Yeah, so it you, is. You, you can get the light cream cheese. But for me, because it wasn't a, a main, um, it wasn't my main meal, right? Mm -hmm. So I had it with some fried rice, had it with some broccoli beef. I made three of them. And I did make the mistake of making too much filling. So I had all of this cream cheese, imitation crab meat and scallion filling in a bowl in my refrigerator. So if you are going to make these, just know if you're making them for multiple people, then you probably need a whole block of cream cheese. 
But if it's just for yourself, you're not going to need that much. (laughs) (laughs) But see, that's the kind of helpful stuff to know. Because sometimes I look at a recipe and they don't tell you those kind of things. No, no, not at all. So, and I think too, when I try to make these again, I'll put a little dash of soy sauce. I'll maybe put some grated ginger in there to try different variations. But not only that, um, I had a taste for some Philly cheesesteak wontons. Uh-huh. So I'm going to explore with that recipe and see how that comes out. Because again, when you buy wonton wrappers, it's like a million in the package. <laughs> so it's going to take you forever to finish the whole package. So I'm currently brainstorming different ways to use wonton wrappers. You got me thinking too. Like I'm thinking I might put some mascarpone uh, with some some truffles. You know, I'm like, ooh. Look at you in your bougie wonton. I know. I can't help it. That's the way my my mind thinks already. <laughs> Maybe that some would, gold leaf on the outside. <laughs> that would be so pretty, though. And the gold leaf would stick because once you brush it with that oil, it kind of gets uh, embedded in the the wrapper. Oh, let's talk out offline after this. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was making the wontons, when I put them in the air fryer, I was like, thank God I'm using the air fryer and not like hot grease. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> we all know what can happen with hot grease. Yeah. When it pops in my face, I'm not a fan of that. Or when it gets on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm the one of those people that has the, the, the pan lid, like a shield, as I'm like trying to reach the oil. <laughs> well, because my mind is crazy. I thought about Michael Jackson, rest in peace. Oh, yep. The Pepsi situation. The Pepsi commercial and his hair catching on fire. And then I, then I noticed, right, I, because again, after cooking and all this stuff, you just go do my hair, Right. Tell me why I was having issues with hair. <laughs> well, her usual. For, I was going to say, knowing you long as long as I have, it's not a new issue for you. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of a backstory here. Um, I've had brain surgery two times. My boo knows the story. I've shared it with him. And actually, it's similar to what I spoke about a couple episodes ago about people of color not being paid attention to by doctors you know, and uh, other people, you know, given the best treatment, non-people of color, given the best treatment and things like that. So um, I didn't know about my tumor until I passed out one day and was rushed to the hospital. Thank God I survived. I came to, without getting deep into it, I had to get the back of my head scalped twice for the surgery, right? I have no idea why I just didn't shave the other half of my head. (laughs) So I was walking around with a half row in the front and then no hair in the back. (laughs) And when my hair in the back finally grew back, it is like this curly version, soft grade of hair. And then my hair in the front is this coarser, unruly version, right? Tell me why. <laughs> and I don't even know how this happened, but I showed you that day. Do you remember? You did. Yes, you did. One side of my head, the edges, nice slick down. Wow. I was like, okay, edge control is working on this side. The other side, <laughs> it was like I had used no edge control. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know why that's happening. Because again, I have two different textures of hair, but it's the front and the back. Now, now it's happening on the left side and the right side. So I don't know what's wrong with me. 
Well, you know, things start to fall apart as we get older. Well, and thankfully, it's not my hair is not falling out. It's just doesn't oh, I know, want to cooperate. Like all those changes that happen to you, you know, <laughs> you could wake up one day and you've got like a bad wrist, you know, or <laughs> something. So, well, I'm sure other ladies of color probably really pay attention to other black girls' hair, mm-hmm. and they're probably like, um, "Uh-uh, look at her." <laughs> They're like, she rushed out the door, only did one side. <laughs> did not. And I even tried to, so there's this, this, I, don't, I guess I'll say trick or, or tip, but when we, when black women or anybody, they can do this, when they slick their sides down or slick their hair down, you get a bandana or scarf, you tie it around your hair, your head, excuse me. Then you use a blow dryer. And what that blow dryer does is kind of like seals the gel or seals your edge control. I even did that, which is why one side was super slick and nice. And then the other side was acting like it just did not want to cooperate that day. did not want to. So it's an unruly teenager. I tell you. So if any (laughs) listeners out there can recommend a good edge control for me, for your boo, (laughs) please help me out. Yeah, drop her suggestion for sure at uh, our Instagram, Bougie Booze. I would take your suggestion into consideration because right now I'm struggling. So. Well, you know, from, from your Black struggles to a nice segue to Asian American and Pacific Islanders. No, I mean, just like how during uh, Black History Month, you mm-hmm. spotlighted a few people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to spotlight another individual for AAPI Month. Yes, and, please do. Yeah, so, you know, recently, just recently, a story came out that Yumi New, she's a 25-year-old Japanese-American. She's actually going to be the first plus-size Asian-American model on the cover of SI Swimsuit Edition. Yeah. Happy for her. So, and, you know, I looked up her pictures and she's very pretty. Her face is beautiful and she is thick, thick with the two C's. Which I was like, you better, you better (laughs) show it, girl. Show that thickness. Yeah. And so it's, again, nice to see that representation and her being on Sports Illustrated, you know, other than like Tyra and maybe a couple random light-skinned Black girls. How often do you see other than white blonde girls on the Sports Illustrated cover? Mm-hmm. So it was really, it's nice that she's couldn't represent in that way. And then, you know, also uh, Yumi was also the first plus-size model on the cover of Japanese Vogue. And so one of her missions is to champion body diversity and inclusion, especially in Asian cultures, which have very strict beauty standards, mm-hmm. which are basically thin. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so And, you know, her mom actually was, I think, believe a therapist. And so she never really suffered this from her mom, but she understands through working with her mom about generational trauma and how that affects children, because, you know, a lot of Asian mothers and a lot of mothers in general, Mm -hmm. how they put this image of perfection on their children and it causes damage to them as they grow up. So she wants to help combat some of that. And, um, a big revelation for her is when she went to a trip to Hawaii in 2015, uh, she recalled wanting to get into the ocean, but feeling ashamed, being, being tired of feeling ashamed, mm. how uh, she feel she would feel going in without wearing a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of plus size women feel 
like people are looking at them in, in a gross way if they're not covering themselves up even at the beach. Mm-hmm. So then she said to herself, you know what? This is a quote from her. Do you know how tiring it is to hate yourself for so long and not wear what you want? Like when mm. I'm a size 10, when I'm 50 pounds lighter, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go buy this. But what if I never comes to that and yeah. I'm 80 and I can't do anything? Then mm. I was like, I'm going to start living my best life. And I mean, I commend her for that. Exactly. And I think people need to get, she's young. She's only 25. She got to that point. So, and it's not to say that we're encouraging people to be uh, obese. It's not that she's obese, but some people just cannot lose the weight, but you can still be healthy and active, but people shouldn't judge people because they're heavy. You don't know why they're heavy. Well, yeah. And it could be genes. It could be other medical concerns. Um, I mean, for me, I've always been a thicker person and I can appreciate that you meet, she has thick thighs. (laughs) She sure does. I have thick thighs. (laughs) And when I saw her thick thighs on the cover, I said, you better show them thick thighs, girl, because I be in pools showing my thick thighs, thunder thighs. Yes. I'm all here for it. and, And too, I think it's interesting that um, Yumi, she is of Japanese and Dutch ancestry. Mm-hmm. And did you know that she's the granddaughter of Benihana founder Rocky Aoki? I did see that, yeah. And niece <laughs> of DJ Steve Aoki. So I'm like, <laughs> what? This girl, she has famous and celebrities running all up and through her family. So, yeah. But, you know, she's putting out a positive image for thicker girls out there and not just, you know, specifically for Asian uh, Asian women but also inspiring other women of different ethnicities and cultures. So that's a, because being on the cover of the SI swimsuit edition, that's an international thing. Yeah. Well, and of course, I know you saw what Jordan, is it Pizzen said about her? No, I didn't see that. Oh, he said that he tweeted and said, sorry, not beautiful. Oh. But then when I looked him up, he looks like the Crypt Keeper. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well people are always entitled to their opinions and they have their certain tastes but you know as we know twitter versus toxic so you it's know, horrible pay attention to that it, and it's like if you look at her she is a beautiful person she is yeah. so i'm thinking he must just be looking at her size and saying that that's not beautiful which it's like dude it's 2022 get with it especially when you look scary <laughs> <laughs> well it's always those like um I don't want to say the words. I'm not uh, people who are super unattractive who tend to have really harsh judgments. And I'm like, mm, insecurities. Really much? Be, yeah, I know. Are you really in a position to be judging other people? <laughs> well, I think since then he's deactivated his Twitter because I mean it was uncalled for. It was well, I'm no sure place everybody for that. was if once you do something like that, people are gonna come for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like your comment is unnecessary and it's not needed. So well, go Yumi. Go thick thighs. <laughs> <laughs> well, as they say, thick thighs save lives. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All righty. Well, any last minute announcements or anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, just uh, hopefully that everybody's doing well. And, you know, as we go into this uh, summer that you enjoy your summer and it's like hot girl summer 3.0 for you, hey. whether you're a girl or not. <laughs> hot person summer. Yeah. Hot person summer. <laughs> that includes all the non-binary people. <laughs> be hot. 
<laughs> well, we live in Southern California, so we gonna physically be hot, hot. Like, <laughs> Lord help us. <laughs> we want to be hot, but not burnt up. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna be shriveled, but that's okay. Oh, no. We'll hydrate. Mm. All right, booze. Till next time, be bougie. And remember, you ain't got to be bougie if you stay bougie. Bye. Bye.